We serve a faithful God. And we get to sing and celebrate His faithfulness to us. This morning, the message is entitled, Fan the Flames. Years ago, when I was uh, in seminary in New Orleans, Baptist Theological Seminary, I was the minister to the deaf at 38th Avenue Baptist Church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. My responsibilities were varied. One of them was to interpret the service as for the deaf people who were part of that church and that congregation. One of them was to do outreach, to go and visit, and make contacts with the deaf people in the community, invite them to come and evangelism. And we had, of course, activities and fellowships and different things. But I also got to minister to the hearing part of the congregation by teaching them sign language. And I don't know how many of you have ever been part of a sign language class. How many of you, just out of curiosity, how many of you have ever been part of a sign language class? Would you raise your hand if you learned some sign language? Great, great. So I can call upon you to interpret at any time, correct? And the reason that I say that is because, boy, that first class, we had 28 people sign up. 28 people. First class, the room was packed. And I'm thinking, this is absolutely fantastic. This is outstanding. And we began by learning the manual alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way through, and learning some basic signs and understanding a little bit about deaf culture and things like that. Week one, boy, everybody was working. Everybody was practicing, getting the hands limber. Everybody was spelling back and forth. You could see people in church signing across the room to each other as, as they would silently be able to talk. And then week two, we got into more vocabulary. And then week three, we got into more vocabulary. And then we started doing some communication exercises. And by week four, our 28 had come down to 18. But we kept going, and we went with our 18, and we kept working for a while. And then, of course, by the end of the class, we had four people who went all the way through the class. Have you ever started something with zeal and enthusiasm, and then it just kind of waned because it became challenging or because it became inconvenient or because it became frustrating or because of the people you're doing it with and you didn't want to spend time with them? Or There are a lot of things that cause us zeal to wane that causes us to get tired to get frustrated to get weary even in well-doing well that's what our text is about today and so I invite you to look with me Romans chapter 12 so while you're turning to Romans chapter 12 we're going to start in verse 11 but before we do I want to make sure that we understand the context of what What's going on? Paul begins chapter 12 by saying, hey, by the mercies of God, I appeal to you, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And so word one, I want you to kind of put in your mind is sacrifice that we have given our lives to Christ because he has given his life to us. We've received the mercies of God. And now in giving our life to him, we are to, to serve him. We are to sacrificially be at his disposal all the time. A living sacrifice, holy, set apart, and acceptable unto God. Doing those things that please Him, which is your reasonable service of worship. Now, when you do that, the world's going to put pressure on you. Matter of fact, the world continually puts pressure, this ongoing pressure to live for self, to do things that just please and entertain, things that have no lasting or eternal value. And He says, don't allow them to conform you to their image. Be not conformed. Don't be shaped by the world. But rather... Be transformed. Become something that you've never been before. Do things that you've never done before. Have a power and an experience that you've never had before. How? By the renewing of your mind, by learning truth. 
by incorporating truth into your life, by seeing that truth is true, that God has true truth that makes a difference in our lives and how we live, by the, by the uh, renewing of your mind. And then what comes out of us are those things that demonstrate God's will, God's working in the world. Now, when you do that and you see God begin to work through you, the first inclination is to be a little bit proud of what God is doing. Pride is the foundational sin that we have to be continually on guard for. Hey, look what God is doing through me. Look what God is doing through us, through our church, through our ministry. And he says, let no one think higher of himself than he ought to think. Uh, we need to think and remember that we have been saved and that what God does, God does by his grace in us and through us. Um, we think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, which means the faith, same faith that saved us. We came to God bringing nothing. We serve God in his power and his strength by faith. For as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function. God gives us different tasks and different places to serve, but everyone gets to serve. So the first S was sacrifice. The second S is service. I want you to remember those two words, sacrifice and service, because now we get all the way down to, we're later in the chapter, we get down to let your love be genuine, how to love well, how to love wisely, how to honor one another. That was our last two services, and now is to really not to grow weary, but rather to do what Paul told Timothy to do in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, to fan the flame, to stir up the flame within you, to fan the flame of the grace of the gift that God has given to you. And so let's get right into our text, starting in verse 11. Do not, by the way, this is the series, 11 and 12, a series of six phrases. We're going to take them one at a time and not necessarily in order. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. It's important I think that, that we get right off the bat that the whole emphasis of the first part of this text is the importance of zeal, of flame, of being what I was raised with, being on fire for God, being on fire, not getting weary, not being slowed down. Zeal is easy when everything is new, just like the sign language class. There was a lot of enthusiasm for a short period of time. But after time passes, then the newness of service, the newness of even the Christian walk, the newness can wear off and go away. And then problems come and frustrations come and all these little irritants that can come in and slow us down and can diminish the flame. I don't like being cold. Many of you know that. In my house, uh, Suzanne and I uh, play, uh, I don't know what to call this game, but it's, uh, I don't know, thermostat seesaw, maybe, would be a good name for it. Uh, she walks by the thermostat, and it goes down. And I walk by the thermostat, and I turn it back up. She walks back by, and she turns it back down. We do talk about this from time to time, and we kind of, we, we solve this out. But I have discovered a great way to stay warm in winter. We have a fireplace. We have a wood-burning fireplace. 
And I will tell you that cutting and chopping wood will generate some warmth. (laughs) But also bringing it into the house and kindling that fire and laying that wood. And there is that blazing fire in the fireplace. And if you've been in my house, you will note that the chair closest to the fireplace is mine. It's reserved for me. And so regardless of what the thermostat is set on, I can blaze that fire up. And I will, I will tell you occasionally I'm under a blanket and wool socks and a stocking hat. But I will blaze that fire up and I will sit close to that fire and it's warm. There's a problem with the fire though. It goes out. The wood burns. And it generates less warmth. And I don't know if you're accustomed to wood burning fireplaces, but there's the chimney that goes up. It's a flue on the inside. And on windy days or days when it's cold outside, if there's no fire in the fireplace, if you don't close the damper, the cold from the outside comes right in. And as I was thinking about what it means to be on fire, stir up the fire within you. Be on fire. Be excited. Be zealous. By the way, the word zealous means to to foment or to bubble or to to boil, to be fired up. Uh, He says that we as believers and when we serve God, we're to be on fire. And the reason that he has to give this exhortation is because naturally, left to its own devices, the fire goes out. The fire goes down. Zeal is sometimes interpreted as, there are great words in here, by the way, as diligence. Uh, And it's the word that comes from the word speed or eagerness. And this contrast to zeal is what? Slothfulness. You guys know what a sloth is? They're cute, aren't they? They're kind of furry. Got a big mouth and the big grin. Uh, Did you guys see Zootopia? Flash should come to mind when you, when you think of, of, of a sloth. Um, the word sloth and why it's here, of course, is it simply means slow. It means to put on the brakes. It means one of the translations and translates this word lagging behind. It means to just put on the brakes, slow down, always hesitating, not willing to take initiative, just kind of dragging your feet. Another personal example really quick. Suzanne and I have a hard time walking together because she walks fast. She walks fast. I don't walk fast. To me, walking is ambulating. It is, uh, um, or ambling, I guess is probably a better word. A strolling. When I walk, I want just a casual stroll. I slow down. Suzanne, when she walks, she walks with purpose. She's going somewhere. She is on the way. Used to irritate her back when we were dating because we'd be in the mall or someplace like that holding hands. And I was always stretched out. And she was always stretched back. And so when she wasn't looking, I would just drop my head and shuffle my feet. And people would look at us very strange. Here's the idea here. Zeal. Sloth. Zeal. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's be faithful. Let's, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's be, uh, to some extent, emotionally excited, but zealous as opposed to slow and slothful. This is the very first phrase. Uh, the, the, the next phrase in this is, is to be fervent, 
The word fervent is the word that comes from the word to boil or to be hot, to seethe or to bubble. It means to be anxious or not anxious, but to be fully engaged in what God has called us and is leading us to do in his servant. Do not be slothful, rather zealous. To be fervent in spirit, the spirit that is within us, and some translations will have a capital S in the Holy Spirit, some will have a small s, I believe the context here, is that we're to be fully engaged with all that we are in serving the Lord. The problem, though, is that we get weary in well-doing, and some of it's just time, as I mentioned. Some of it is familiarity. Even in our walk with God, do you remember when you first got saved? When you first became engaged with Christ and you realized the extent of His mercy, you recognized to some extent what He did for us on the cross and His death and His resurrection, the life that He gives us. And all of a sudden, you wanted to know more and you began to read and you began to study the Scriptures and your prayer times were sweet. You couldn't wait to come to church and to gather with the people of God. And yet, sometimes after time, it's just going to church and it's just reading the Bible and the, the, the spark that was there is going flame is simply down to embers. We have this kind of mindset here that, well, yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. We can check that off the list. And he says, no, that's not what we do. Familiarity can, can wear us out. The answer is that we need to recognize that there's always more to learn about God. There's always more to learn from his word. There's more to learn from his word that we already know. There's more to experience about his plan and his purpose for us. There's always a newness and always a freshness, even in old, old truths. I appreciate you guys singing great as, uh, leading us in singing Great is Thy Faithfulness this morning. I love that song. I've been singing that song, I don't know, my whole life. I think it's a great song. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the new songs. I love the songs that focus us upon the goodness of God. And I love people who write songs. And did you know, by the way, that Charles Wesley, John Wesley's brother, John was a great evangelist, founder of the, of, of the Methodist Church, one of the most evangelistic churches in North America, to a great extent shaped this country. You know, his brother Charles Wesley wrote 20 hymns a year for over 50 years, brand new hymns of his day to teach people how to sing and how to praise and gave them out to churches. And so I love the old songs and I love the new songs, but can I tell you something just really quick? When we talk about the faithfulness of God, we have not yet even begun to scratch the surface of the depths of the character of the faithfulness and the kindness and the graciousness of God and his many expressions of those. We need to recognize that there's always more to learn. There's always more to learn about God, his work, his people, his purpose, his plans. And we need to not grow weary in this, but to reflect and to deepen our commitment. And sometimes it's just fatigue. You ever just get tired? I know you do. You just get tired. Sometimes it's tired of routine, but sometimes it's just physical fatigue. There's so much going on, so much in service. And we need to recognize that God is the source of strength. We too often depend upon our own power source we depend upon our own strength and our own energy and we need to learn and draw from and depend upon the power that God readily provides as he works in us and through us so many texts I could take you to but I want to move through this text fairly quickly and so what I want us to look at now is going back to those three phrases by the way there's an, another phrase that I wanted to look at these first phrases 
that we were looking at in verse 11. Don't be slothful in zeal. That was number one. Zeal is important. We need to recognize the importance of zeal. We need to recognize the importance of fervency, and that is fanning, fanning the flame. And then the next phrase is serve the Lord. The next one is rejoice in hope. But the next one is to be patient in tribulation. Now, this word patient, there are two Greek words for, that are equally translated patience in the New Testament. The first is macrothumia. Macro meaning a long time and thumia meaning fire. It means don't get mad for a long time. Be patient. Be slow-tempered, not hot-tempered or fast-tempered. That's not this word. This word means to bear up under, hupomeno. You guys remember? We have talked about this several times in the past. And this means that you're carrying a load, that there is pressure that is pushing down and withstand, stand strong underneath the pressure because tribulation has at its root the idea of difficulties, trials. I love the word irksome. You guys know that word, irksome, irksomeness. Uh, is, has at its word those things that just it's like a pebble in your shoe those things that just wear on you and wear on you and wear on you and he said be patient bear up under even when it's difficult and all of this comes under us recognizing the importance of zeal of fanning the flame within us so how do we do that how, how do maybe you have a yellow vest and you're in the parking lot Maybe you're cooking and preparing food and putting it out. I'm grateful for those. My favorite people are the ones who cook and prepare food. Maybe you're teaching a class or you're working in the nursery. Or maybe you're moving chairs and setting up and taking down. Maybe you're studying to invest your life in adults. Maybe you're visiting senior adults. Maybe you're running technology and plugging in wires and making sure that things come together. And it becomes routine. How do you maintain zeal? And it's in this text. How do you maintain fervency in whatever service God has given you to serve him by serving his local body? Maybe you're working with children at GPS. Maybe you're going on a mission trip. Maybe you are counseling biblically and you're meeting with people. Maybe you're doing evangelism downtown or you're doing evangelism in the context of your workplace. How do you maintain your zeal? Well, let's look at these next, free, next phrases. Just going back up. Don't be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. The last phrase in verse 11 is serve the Lord. You understand service is what we are called and equipped to do. Everyone has a place to serve. We were there for these sermons. We know that truth, right? Everybody say amen just for me, okay? So, okay, good. Because we can go back and preach them again, but, but we want this morning. All right, so we know everyone has a place of service. But sometimes what we forget is that our service, done as we present our members as living sacrifices, done as an act of worship to God, is service to the Lord. We are serving Christ. So I want you to remember, number one, the second point is how to not grow weary in well-doing and underneath that, we've got a few points. The first one is to remember that your service is for Jesus. It is him that you are serving. You are his servant. Do you remember the text that we read this morning in Luke chapter 17? He's the king. He's the master. He's the creator. He's our God. He's the one who has brought us to life. And we belong to him. We're commanded multiple places, even in our secular workplace, to do all that we do 
as unto the Lord's, Lord, for we are the Lord's. Years ago, when I worked in the Midlands of South Carolina, there was a man who was director of leadership development for the South Carolina Baptist Convention. His name was Reggie McDeal. I don't know if you guys ever came across Reggie. He's written several books. He is a great man. He is personable. He is kind. He is outgoing. He is hilarious. He is funny. He's a great communicator. He's the kind of guy that you want to spend time with. And he and I were working together on several projects. And man, I was, I was real excited about the chance to work with Reggie and to spend time with Reggie. And we got there together and we were, he was kind of doling out assignments and we were being encouraged and, and equipped. And he said, and Marty, I got a pastor over here I want you to spend time with and here's what I want you to do with him. And, and his name's Kevin. And my whole face fell because I know Kevin. Kevin is not the kind of guy that you would gravitate to. Kevin is... Um, um, difficult how about that Kevin is difficult uh, Kevin is not friendly uh, Kevin tends to be a complainer uh, Kevin has some very weird ideas and if I were choosing people to sit with or to hang out with Kevin would not be on the list and I looked at Reggie in my mind I was saying I want to be where you are I want to serve you. I want to come alongside of you. I want to watch you. I want to do what you're doing. And Reggie said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to him. And I want you to invest in him. And I want you to spend time with him. And so I, all of this wasn't conversation. Some of it was. And I looked at Reggie. And when he said, Kevin, I kind of rolled my eyes. And Reggie's rolled him back and said come here he said I know that this is going to be a challenging assignment but that's why I gave it to you and I'm trusting you to depend upon God to guide you in this assignment and so we stopped and we prayed right then and Reggie prayed for me and he didn't mince words <laughs> he prayed God I pray that you'll check Marty's attitude and I pray that you'll make it right. I pray that you'll soften his heart. And I pray that you'll open his heart. God, I pray that you'll work through him. And then we spent time together praying for Kevin. Now, I spent about the next three hours in this workshop setting with breaks, spending time with Kevin. And it was, at points, very challenging. And at points, very rewarding. And it was, ended up being a great experience for me. I think it was a good experience for Kevin. But I want to tell you that in all of that, it wasn't really Kevin I was serving. It was Reggie. Do you understand what I'm saying? Reggie had asked me to do this. Reggie was the guy that I was looking up to. Reggie was the guy that really mattered in my perception. And he turned my attention and gave me a more challenging task. In the same way, Whatever aspect of local ministry you have, whether it's playing an instrument, whether it's setting up chairs, and we went down the list or some partial, a portion of the list, whatever your ministry is in and through this local congregation to the glory of God, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And recognizing that and having that attitude will help you 
to fan the flame of service. We'll help you to be zealous in your service. We'll help you to keep going. The second phrase, or the, actually this is now I think the next, the next phrase. I'm not going to count them. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. The beginning of verse 13, he says, rejoice in hope. Now when a Christian talks about hope, he's not talking about crossing his fingers and hoping everything works out. What are we talking about when we talk about hope? We're talking about the absolute certainty of the Lord's return. We're talking about the parousia, the second coming of Christ. We're talking about being welcomed into heaven. We're talking about the, the, where we've laid up treasures, where we've invested our lives, where, where he has prepared a place for us, where there's no need of sun or moon. We're talking about when, when he tells us, welcome, home, good, and faithful servant. We're talking about two things there in this text that apply specifically rest and reward. Do you remember the two S's? They were sacrifice and service what are the two r's rest and reward rest and reward we get to look forward to the day that we get to rest some of you know that i'm part of a run group uh ashley's the coach which is great and many of you have been a part of that group uh and it's a it's a great thing um one of the things that we went through at the orientation meeting the first one i went to was after she talked about how many weeks we're going to do this and how many hours it was going to take and we're going to do it whether the whether it's hot or whether it's cold and she she laid out the plan very well uh, then she brought up a slide on the screen had a picture of bacon on it what does that have to do with running you get to eat bacon if you run you get a reward. You get to reward yourself at some place. Now, I'm not saying that Ashley was preparing bacon for us. I don't want you to misunderstand. But here's the point. Many of you do exercises, and many of you work hard at your jobs, and, and the hard work may not be the most fulfilling or the most enjoyable or the most joy-bringing part of the task, but there's something to look forward to at the end. There's something to look forward to at the end. On the job, it may simply be a paycheck or it may be the reward of a job well done or making an impact in an eternal difference, a significant difference in somebody's life. If you're at the gym, you do the hard work at the gym so that you can enjoy health and you can enjoy feeling better. If it's a diet, whatever the discipline is, whatever the service is, you do it anticipating and expecting and looking forward to the reward. As believers, we are promised a great reward that is coming. We will have rest and reward for an eternity in heaven this side is sacrifice and service now there are rewards along the way and there are periods of rest along the way but the nature of our life here is service and sacrifice with the promise and the certain reality of rest and reward to come and then the next phrase i love the next phrase it's one that seems to be um, uh, rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation we talked about that but the last phrase in verse 12 is to be constant in prayer I have found that when I am the most tired and when I'm the most weary when it's hardest for me to go on when I get the most frustrated it's is when I've been neglecting spending time at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ in open Bible study and prayer how do you keep going you keep going by focusing your attention upon Christ and who he is and his mission and his call in us. He refreshes me. He redirects my thoughts. He reminds me of his grace to me. He clarifies his purpose for me. He gives me strength. He is 
my strength. When we talk about prayer here, this is not surface prayer. This is not rote memory prayer. This is taking time to enter into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a young man, Jonathan Edwards set aside five times a day when he would stop and pray. And he would spend dedicated time simply in the presence of God, praying scripture, reflecting upon the truth of God's word. And so the formula is sacrifice and service. And it'll keep you busy. It is prayer and scripture. And that keeps you balanced. You can't give what you don't have. You're continually filled with the presence of God, the wisdom of God through his word, the power of God through prayer. And so you have this coming in, you have that going out, and the result is blessing. Blessing. Happiness and joy in the task. Happiness and joy, contentment in Christ working in you and working through you. It's what Paul meant when he said, though the outer man is wasting away, my inner man is being renewed day by day. And you are blessed. And let me tell you what that will do to your attitude. It, it, it will lighten your load. It will give you the ability to be a steadfast, not wavering, not weak, not stumbling, not slothful, but zealous, steadfast servant of God Almighty. And in, in the right attitude, resting in Christ, you will be able to be a blessing to others. One of the ways that is described in Scripture is to have a spirit of generosity. We are serving Christ. We know that rest and reward are coming. We are prayed up. We are dependent upon Him. We are trusting in Him. And that sets us up to make generosity a priority. Generous with our time. Generous with our attention. And can I, can I encourage you to be generous with your attitude? Be generous with your permission giving. Be generous with your resources and finances. You understand. Now listen. The tendency of the world is get what you can. Can what you get and sit on the can. The tendency of the world is to protect your space, protect your mind, protect your money. To make sure you've got what you have, what you need, what you want for your stuff. And we might be a little generous here. We might be a little bit generous here, there. But rather we're to have this mind that Christ had who himself made himself what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians as, as made himself poor that we might become rich in him. And the Christian life is a life of giving yourself away because he has given himself to us. We're generous with our time, our attention, our attitude, our permission, and our resources. And in so doing, we display the grace of God. Great is thy faithfulness, O God our Father. What do we have that we did not receive? Through his resources, he provides all that we need. Now back to prayer quickly. We need to spend time doing everything 
in his spirit. We make generosity a priority. Third point on the outline. We recognize the importance of zeal. We remember that we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. We look forward to the hope that is coming. We focus and, and are reliant on prayer. We experience his blessing as we are taking in from him and giving out to others. We express this through our kindness and our generosity and our openness. There are two things that you can control. Two things that you have the final say over. Your effort and your attitude. And I'm going to tell you that your effort needs to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and dependent upon his power. And your attitude is conformed by where your heart is, by where your mind is, by what you're thinking about, by what you're filling your mind with. And we need to be filling our mind with the truth, first of all, of the mercies of God, the kindness of God, the loving kindness of God, and the grace that he continually bestows upon us. And then we become steadfast in our service. What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 17? About the servant. The servant serves because he recognizes that the master is the master. That the master is worthy. And that we get to do our duty, if you will. Even though that's not a popular word. We get to do our responsibility. We get to fulfill the role that God has placed upon us and given to us for his glory and for his good how to be steadfast service how to love well that's how we love one another well that's the expression of love that we have for one another serving the lord by serving one another well i'm always reminded of matthew 5 where he says that we engage fully in good works so that others may see our good works and glorify our father who is in heaven isn't god good he's good he is good indeed Let's try that again. I'm going to ask, isn't God good? You reply, he is good indeed. Isn't God good? He is good indeed. So we're grateful for the goodness of God who has called us and saved us, who, serves us, who, who allows us to serve him by giving us the might and the power that we need to serve him. Father, I want to thank you for this time, for this message, for these truths, for these steps on how to be those who walk with you in obedience, those who serve you and serve well, those who love you and love you well. And so, Father, I pray that you'll be glorified in us, that you'll accomplish your mission and your purpose in us, that we will be those people, steadfast and secure. In the name of your Son, I pray. Amen.